0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com
1: for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Everybody, Horns 24-7 family and all-comers, welcome to the new Flagship Ship podcast. Myself, Taylor Estes, guest appearance from the one and only... Bobby Burton. Are you kidding me? Um, Yes, we are the latest new, hopefully your favorite of the podcast here at Horns 24-7. No offense, Jeff Howe. You do a great job. You and Rod Beezy and Rochi, you're doing a great job too. You know, just saying. Um, But Taylor, it's Red River Shootout Week.
2: It's the best week in football, right?
1: God, it is. It's so good. Oh my gosh. I mean... This game means more to me than anything. I call it the the greatest game day atmosphere in sports. It's better than the Super Bowl. It's better than the NBA Finals. It's unique in all the world. And it's simply because they divide the Cotton Bowl at the 50, half burnt orange, half crimson. And it creates this, as Todd Dodge told me, uh, it creates this electrical current that runs through everything and everybody in that Cotton Bowl stadium.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And Chip, you have a, you know, you've been around for decades right so you have oh, you can I'm actually anxious. talk about you can talk about you know you've covered the super bowl you've covered huge huge games you've covered national championships games so when you talk about the best atmosphere i tend to agree with you on that you know i, I i'm much younger i know i know i'm much younger but <laughs> you know so I, you're
1: the uh, you're the new school i'm the old school
2: <laughs> exactly this,
1: uh, flagship podcast <laughs> it, it'll take people zero seconds to figure that out so yes um, I mean, I was there for the first pterodactyl bowl <laughs> and that was crazy, but, um, yeah, no, it's the best. It is absolutely the best. In fact, I get sad after this game. It's like Christmas comes with the buildup and then, and then it's over and you're like, Ugh. <laughs> so I'm, I, I'm like sad that this marks the halfway point of the college football regular season.
2: I know we talk about it all year round and it's so short. It just goes by so fast, but I agree. I mean, it's kind of you know, one of those games, everybody always marks it on their schedule. And even if you're not a Texas fan or an Oklahoma fan, most people, if you watch college football, you watch the Red River shootout. And because um, it never disappoints, you know, it's almost always a shootout between these two teams who hate each other. I mean, it's just and like you said, the divide at the 50 yard line. I mean, I've been on the field for that game, um, cover, you know, working, shooting video back in the day doing this. And I got to tell you, you feel – the momentum from the crowd on the field. And I'm not, I have no dog in the fight. You know, I'm not out there playing. I have zero, nothing, no, nothing I gain for whoever wins, whoever loses that game. But I will tell you that it is an electric feeling when you're on that field. I mean, I, I, I try to explain it to so many people. It's bone chilling. It really is. I mean, it's just the silence is deafening. The noise is deafening from one side while the other one's dead silent. I mean, it's, it's the best atmosphere that I've seen in my career, no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, I mean it, that that you just said it. The sound never ends, and the players get confused and 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 lifted up by it, and also crushed by it. Because if you're the team that's making the mistake, and the sound keeps coming, it starts to suck the life out of you. And if you're the team that's that's making the plays, and that sound is is coming, it lifts you up like Superman. So it, it is one of a kind. If uh, if anyone listening to this podcast is on the fence about going to this year's game, go! Are you kidding me? You got two of the most explosive offenses and great offensive minds going at each other. Um, you know that's what it's that's what it's all about. Um, Taylor, I want to let's we'll we'll start off each of these flagship uh, podcasts with you know a a big thought um, that you have regarding the Longhorns. And of course we'll be doing this year round. So give me a big thought that's, uh, that's, uh, on your mind right now as we head into the Red River shootout. And thank you for calling it the Red River shootout Taylor. Cause even though you're so young and like, you know, fresh out of, uh, you know, high school, <laughs> that wish. is old school, baby. I mean, when you, when you say Red River shootout, you are acknowledging Keith Jackson and Frank Brawls and the, the great moments of this game. Uh, and it's never been more appropriately titled uh, after last year's 48 45 Texas victory. So don't give me Wedwivel Wivel <laughs> and Elmer Fudd impressions or. Red River Showdown, that's corporate BS. This is the Red River shootout. So thank you, Taylor. Yeah, no, you're not without gonna, further ado.
2: We're not gonna um, be, you know, big fans from the PC crowd here because I'm gonna call it the Red River shootout until the day I die. So absolutely there. But you know, my big yes, thing going yes. into this game at this point is I'm just kind of curious. I'm not doubting Oklahoma. I'm not doubting the talent they have. I'm not doubting Jalen Hurts because I think the numbers speak for themselves. However, I am kind of curious how good this Oklahoma team is because they haven't really played anybody. I mean, they've played one team with a winning record right now, one, and it was Texas Tech. And so, you know, and, and you know, that's just kind of year after year. You never know. They scheduled some good teams. They scheduled Houston. They scheduled UCLA. But, you know, both those teams are really struggling right now. And so that's one thing I'm really curious about with this Oklahoma team. While I have no doubt that Lincoln Riley is going to have – a huge offensive performance, you know, kind of chalked up um, going into this game. I am curious to see how well they're able to execute it against Texas because, you know, I'm not. Let's be honest. OK, Texas is not the best defense out there. Like, I think it's very clear that, you know, Texas to the face, a lot of tough offensive opponents. But the reality is. You know, this isn't a top 10 defense. However, it's probably one of the best defenses that Oklahoma will face. So my one big thing is let's see what this Sooners team really is about when they are facing, you know, guys in a secondary like Texas where you have Deshaun Jamison, who's the top, you know, number one play on Center in one of his first starts at a corner. You know, I mean, that's, that's the type of talent that they're going to face. And I'm really curious to see how well um, Oklahoma can execute this offensive game plan against Texas defense. Now, Chip, I'm curious, yeah. what, what's your one big thought here?
1: Well, my, my one big thought uh, is that Tom Herman, the underdog, is a dangerous man. That is a dangerous man. Mm-hmm. So I, I go back even to his time at Houston. Um, he was a plus 13 uh, underdog at Louisville and won. He's called that the the signature win and the the get over the hump win for that uh, for those two years that he was head coach at Houston and of course uh, then that team went on to play Florida State in the Peach Bowl. Houston was a plus seven underdog and won that game by two touchdowns. And then flash forward to last year with his culture in um, you know Texas was a. Uh, what, plus seven underdog to Oklahoma in this game last year, and they won it, Mm -hmm. and then they were a plus 12 underdog to Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, and Texas pretty much dominated that game. Now they find themselves a plus 10.5 point dog to Oklahoma. Uh, Everybody's talking about Lincoln Riley, the offensive genius, and they should, But Tom Herman uh, won the Broyles Award as an offensive coordinator on the national championship team at Ohio State in 14 and called the better game last year uh, in the win when Sam Ellinger ran for three touchdowns and threw for two and outplayed Kyler Murray. So I love Tom Herman in the role of underdog
2: no chip i i totally agree with that and you know kind of on that that subject where are these 10 and a half points that vegas is coming like i i'm kind of one of the people where if vegas sees something and it seems like a shocking type of number like this i kind of tend to be like okay what are they seeing that i'm not seeing here but the reality is we covered this team and i'm just really curious and i'm, I'm curious for your thoughts on this too do you think 10 and a a little bit of a slap in the face to Texas at this point, considering the type of offense that they've been able to put on the field week in and week out.
1: I, I do. I mean, I think I think that, look, Todd Orlando tried to to get after Joe Burrow. Um, I, he blitzed him like crazy, and, and Burrow made him pay. Mm-hmm. And then I think the point spread has come from the three starters who are injured and out for this game, Caden Stearns, Josh Thompson, and Jalen Green. But – I don't know that Vegas has, you know, caught on to the fact that Texas is has suitable backups. I mean, Deshaun Jameson um, and and Anthony Cook started at corner um, the last game, and look, there were uh, some big plays given up, no doubt, but they were able to force turnovers and create um, from the four interceptions, three short field um, touchdown drives for the offense. So. They've found a way, and they have been turning teams over, and and so I think that's where the point spread comes from. At that, in the fact that, you know, Keontae Ingram probably took a, a step back last week, as uh, he definitely took a step back. Right. Um, Eleven carries for eighteen yards. That's not good. But um, I think that's where it's coming from. And they see that Oklahoma is averaging seven point <laughs> eight yards per carry as a team, and they they just they're they're looking at Lincoln Riley and saying. Yeah, this guy's loaded.
2: Yeah, no, I could see that. Well, you know, a big player, a big reason why Oklahoma is doing so well is Jalen Hurts. Now, I know you covered him in the national championship um, a couple years ago when he was at Alabama. So I'm curious to get your thoughts because this has kind of hit the Twitterverse and people are questioning if Hurts you know, has some type of vendetta against Texas or hates Texas for some odd reason when he really didn't have too much dog in this fight um, being a former Alabama player. So I'm curious, I'm going to play you some quotes from uh, Jalen Hurts this week at this press conference to start the week, and I want to hear your opinion on how Hurts answered these questions. What was your recruitment process with Texas like?
0: Um, Charlie Strong liked me a lot. Ended up not going there.
3: What did you think about them growing up in Houston?
0: I like Vince Young.
3: Great player. Yeah. What was it specifically about him that drew you to, to Vince?
0: He was a winner he made plays.
1: Why, why did, uh, you said Charlie Strong liked you a
3: lot. What, what, was, what was it that didn't jive from your perspective about Texas at the time?
0: I ended up going to Alabama. What was different about Alabama as opposed to Texas? I just ended up going there.
2: Okay, so you hear him. I kind of see this as this is just his personality. Some Texas fans seem to think that this is against them. I want to hear your thoughts on Jalen Hurts' comments.
1: First of all, I love Jalen Hurts. I love this guy. I mean, I remember when he came to campus, I saw him talking to Charlie Strong with Stephen Jones, uh, the Cowboys you know, executive uh, vice president and his son, who's now at Arkansas. But uh, Jalen Hurts is is a stone cold killer winner. And I think he has a chip on his shoulder visible from space, but you'd never know it from his personality because he's so low key. And everyone talks about how he got benched in a national championship, win over Georgia uh, for Tua Tagovailoa. The bottom line is This guy's 20, was what, 26 and two? Mm -hmm. Uh, Now he's what, 31 and two as a starting quarterback at two of the best programs in college football. This guy is, he's a stone cold killer. And I love that he's answering these questions as absolutely, um, you know, with as few words as possible. And he's trying not to give these reporters what they want, which is bulletin board material. Uh, against Texas, he, he, and he's he's learned from Nick Saban. I mean, he's not going to he's not going to take the cheese on this deal,
2: right? Yeah, I mean, Sab- Saban will you know instill the fear of God in anybody. You saw that last <laughs> year with what Quentin Williams, or is that who it was? The oh yeah, <laughs> the guy's life. like three hundred and
1: fifty <laughs> pounds, and he's scared to death of <laughs> tiny little Saban.
2: Yeah, so I I tend to agree with you. I think that this is getting blown out of proportion a little bit, and you know I like Jalen Hurts. I, I kind of like those players that just like you know, it, they're, they're not great for our profession, because there are people out there that want to write, you know, the big headline story. But you can't help but respect them. Because I mean, these guys, you know, these reporters are really trying to bait him. And he's essentially sitting there like, "Nah, I'm good. You know, <laughs> I kind of like that. Right.
1: I love I mean, earlier in the week, they were all like, you know, do you think you'll be ready for the Red River shootout? And he was like, I played in the Iron Bowl.
2: Yeah, it's a pretty
1: big game. Yeah, you know?
2: <laughs> and and he's played in a few national championships and SEC championships. People
1: are talking to him like he's lucky to be at Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's not it's Kyler Murray. It's, it's
2: not Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield. They're not coming from Texas Tech and Texas A and M. They're coming from a powerhouse. Right. <laughs> so right.
1: I, I mean, he's he wants. He, he's probably looking at this season as I've got to get to the playoff. Because I want to, I want to face Alabama.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. He has a a larger goal than I think most people realize.
1: Yeah. All right, Taylor. Great stuff. Great stuff. All right. We are joined now on the flagship podcast here, Red River Shootout Week, by the legendary Bobby Burton, publisher of Horns twenty four seven. And Bobby, I mean, are you are you feeling the the chills, the the excitement, the electrical currents? Coursing through your veins as uh, Red River Shootout Week approaches. I, I'd
3: say that uh, more than anything, it, it, it's a time to be anxious, right? I mean, a lot of people get excited for this game, but uh, truth be told, they also have butterflies
2: because yeah, nobody
3: a... wants to. Everybody wants to win this game, but nobody sure as hell wants to lose it. So, <laughs> I think uh, I think that's really where it's at right now. Uh, both teams have had a good start to the season texas had one disappointment but i mean the way lsu's playing it's it's not not a bad loss in retrospect so uh this is going to be one of those uh, uh games where i think both teams are are ready
1: well let's uh let's get to it i know you're gonna put me on the hot seat here and then i'll i'll have a couple questions for you too
3: okay number one can ou run the ball this weekend
1: Yes. So I, I compare Oklahoma probably to Oklahoma state uh, the most and, and Oklahoma state ran for uh, over 200 yards on Texas. and I could see that happening again um, on Saturday. And, and so, yeah, I think Oklahoma is going to make some yards on the ground. Uh, The key is going to be obviously red zone defense and, and uh, and third down defense, but Oklahoma State ran for, um, gosh, what forty three no fifty six times for two hundred twenty six yards. They were able to contain Chuba Hubbard, but Spencer Sanders got loose for for a uh, hundred yards. Um, and I think I think we're probably going to see Jalen Hurts uh, pull some of that stuff too. Um, the key is going to be hitting him and hitting him and hitting him so that he just uh, uh, wears down kind of like Sanders did in the, um, in the, in the game against Texas. I thought, he, I thought Sanders became less accurate as that game wore on uh, because of the
3: pounding that he was taking in the running game. Chip, I agree with you. I think Texas is going to be – I think OU is going to be able to run the ball. Um, it may be a situation, though, where we need to monitor one thing, and I think this is going to be the big piece. Lincoln Riley going to set up his team in good offensive situations where his playmakers can make plays. Texas, we need to watch how many yards after first contact these, these OU running backs and Jalen Hurts gets. Because if Texas can limit that, I think that they can make OU's run game at least tone it down. Um, and, and, of course, there's the fact that OU's got two of its offensive tackles possibly out for this game. Let me ask you the next question, Chip. Sure. What's taxes going to do on offense? Same stuff as always? Any any kind of tweaks? What? Yeah, I mean, I think how they're going to run the football is going to be um, the
1: thing that Tom Herman has to figure out quickly. Because we've seen Keontae Ingram be good for about six quarters this season. The rest of the time, he's been inconsistent. And whether it's because, what, he was wearing a knee brace the first couple games or, you know, because he – I mean, he ran four times for four yards before he left with that stinger and then ran – or came back and ran seven times for 14 yards. And meanwhile, Rashawn Johnson's running wild against West Virginia, um, which is a great story for Rashawn Johnson and Stan Drayton, but that's not the kind of story Texas wants right now. I mean – uh, they need their number one uh, running back recruit in the state of Texas from two years ago to be running like that, to be, you know, starting to look more like Jamal Charles than, um, than Ray Charles. So, you know, I think uh, Sam Ellinger's going to have to run it 15 to 20 times in this game. I mean, he's the, it, it, he, this is what he does. He, he takes a pounding in these games. He ran it, um, you know, close to 20 times in this game a year ago, same against Georgia. And when, when they need him, he, he answers the call. And, and so I expect Ellinger to, to run it a bunch. And then, you know, I think we will see some little wrinkles here and there. Maybe Devin Duvernay in the, in the backfield, like we saw against Louisiana tech, um, where he ran that fourth down play for a first down. Tom Herman always has wrinkles in this game. So uh, I, I expect we'll we'll see that early, um, but man, that performance from Keonta Ingram last week just makes you uh, makes you nervous a little bit. I'm sure it makes Tom Herman a little bit nervous, but um, good for Rashawn Johnson. I mean, if he can if he can replicate that again, I think the best running back is about to come back on the field. Jordan Whittington, uh, but he's probably still a week away, so. Um, I do think Texas will be able to run the football, create some play action. I wouldn't be shocked if Sam Ellinger is the leading rusher for Texas in this game.
3: Yeah, I would be shocked if Texas is just able to run the ball like they did a year ago. I, I think OU is going to load up on defense on, on the line of scrimmage and make Texas throw the ball to win. Um, will Texas be able to do that with play action, to your point? I, Texas has the weapons, and and Ellinger's good enough, so it's going to be interesting to see that. So we talked about OU's offense, Chip. I got another question for you. Which Longhorn is going to spy Jalen Hurts? Because it's going to happen. It's got to happen, or else yeah, Texas, I think uh, no I agree with you. I, I think you'll see
1: a, uh, maybe a couple, uh, two, three different guys. I think I think Joseph O'Sai uh, at times uh, could be that guy. I think uh, B.J. Foster at times could be that guy. And if DeMarvian Overshawn is is really um you know, after getting the cortisone shot in his back, if he's moving around and feeling good the way that Tom Herman described, then, you know, he could be that guy. And and look, Juwan Mitchell, I mean, we'll see if if um you know Mitchell is up for the task, but man, he he packs a wallop too. You you want a guy who's just gonna level Jalen Hurts at every, at every turn. So I think Texas has options and I think they'd be wise to mix it up um, just to keep Hurts off balance last year. It, you know, I think um, Kyler Murray was able to kind of identify what Texas was trying to do as that game wore on. Um, and, you know, Gary Johnson was sort of taken out of the game as the guy spying on Kyler Murray and, um, and so I, I do think Texas needs to, to mix it up. Are they up for that? I think so. I mean, I, I think I think Todd Orlando deserves credit for uh, scaling back the blitz pressure and helping his uh, inexperienced corners with some safety help over the top. And, you know, they've been they, – they definitely got off to a rough start against West Virginia. They were given a 5.8 yards per carry in the first half, but then they – you know, made some adjustments and, um, the big boys up front started to really take their toll on, on West Virginia's offensive line. And I I think that's one thing I'm really interested to see, uh, Saturday because the weather's not supposed to be that hot. Um, in that, uh, if it was going to be really hot, I think that would have favored Texas and their depth on the defensive line. But I still think, obviously, Texas is going to have to rotate because Lincoln's going to speed them up and put them in tempo and try and get them disoriented. But I do think that Texas' size up front with Coburn, Taekwondo Graham, Malcolm Roach, Moro um, Jomo, those guys, they they wear on you. And, and so, you know, I think um, it's going to free up whoever's spying on – um, Jalen Hurts to to make those plays last year Oklahoma, you know, with all their four four offensive linemen who went in the first four rounds of the NFL draft, um, you know, it was they were starting to push on Texas as that game uh, wore on. So it, that's a great battle. I mean, that's the battle that'll probably determine uh, the outcome of the game. Yeah,
3: I I think if I had to guess, I mean, just my my feel on this is that. Jalen Hurts you talk about hitting someone and hitting him again and again. I'm here to tell you I've seen that happen while he was at Alabama. He just gets back up. I, I think yeah. that I think if you try to to really go and in, in that route and only that route with him, I think it's I think it's a fool's errand because he is physically he is a gifted physical football player. Doesn't mean that he's a great thrower or this or that, but he is a great runner and he is physical as all get out. You're talking about a a state champion power lifter. You're talking about a guy that is, uh, I'm just telling you, mentally strong, physically strong. I, I, if Texas goes that direction, which it sounds like they, they probably should, because usually the team that's the most physical in the red river shootout wins. I just, I have to say that I'm concerned if that's what Texas is hanging its hat on. I think they've got to, They've got to turn them over, and they've got to get them to the ground. Uh, not so much the knockout blow or the repeated blow after blow. All right, Chip, I have one other, a couple of other questions for you. Actually, it's kind of a unique thing, and I'll take I'll take the Oklahoma side, but you take the Texas side. Let's start with who is your biggest impact player for this game for Texas?
1: Well staying right there i mean i listen i'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to to sam ellinger and the fact that he'll he'll show up and and do sam ellinger things to me the guy who's going to have to be the impact player in this game is joseph osai because to me he's their best defensive player their most versatile uh he leads well he's tied now with deshaun jameson uh, for, for the leading interceptions and is arguably their best pass rusher and, and just the best open field player. He was their leading tackler last week, and he just makes plays every week. And I think that, you know, Joseph Osai needs to have a big game Saturday if Texas is going to win this thing. And and a lot of it is going to involve getting Jalen Hurts to the ground, in my opinion. So, you know, I just feel like uh, Joseph Osai is a guy – who needs to have a big impact on this game
3: if Texas is going to win it. How do you – what about uh, for OU? Yeah, I think it's pretty straightforward. I think it's Jalen Hurts. They, they will go as he goes. Um, the one thing I, I will say in the game, the game that that Hurts Law lost or and or got pulled from, both of them, they went down early, and Alabama had to play catch-up that's not necessarily what Jalen Hurts does well. And so if he gets off to a, a, a good start, that's not good for Texas uh, because you don't want Jalen Hurts playing with the lead because he will just continue to move the chains with his feet, with his, I mean, I, I hear you about Joe Osai. I think he's a terrific player. Jalen Hurts as a runner is really a pretty special quarterback, but, you know, if they if they jump the routes early and can make him go through his progressions and then the pass rush gets there, the different story, but I, I think Hurts and his legs really I expect OU to come out running some option. They did it yes last week against Kansas. I think they're gonna do some design runs with him where Texas leaves the backside open with just one on one defender. I think that's that's gonna be interesting to see how that goes.
1: Well, and we're really seeing Lincoln Riley show us some stuff he hasn't shown. In the past, which, again, to his credit, he absolutely tailors everything to the talent of his quarterback. And we we didn't see – I feel like we're seeing so much more from Jalen Hurts than we ever saw at Alabama. And it's because Lincoln Riley knows exactly what to pull out of him at the right time. And it, it's been something to see. I mean, Bobby, think about this, that OU – and I get that they've played a you know, combined record of 10 and 17 – but you average seven point eight a carry, and we're talking about guys, you know, Ramondre Stevenson, uh, um, you know, guys you've never heard of who are averaging crazy yards per carry. It's it's phenomenal what Riley's been able to do um, with those four offensive linemen moving on and 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 a new quarterback and just knowing what to dial up when. So um, yeah, I'm with you. It, it's it's going to be phenomenal.
3: And it's that Jalen Hurts is averaging 8.8 a carry, wow. He, he's legit. I, I think people underestimate just how good a, a player, a college football player in particular he is. I'm not saying he throws the ball around the yard like like Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray or Sam Bradford or anything like that, but he is a really, really good college player. He's a winner. Player. Yep, absolutely. So, so your surprise player for Texas.
1: My surprise player for Texas is, And I think it's – I'm just going to go with what he's shown us, Um, and and that's Deshaun Jameson. I mean, this guy, all he does is make plays. I mean, he had two huge tackles for loss in the Oklahoma State game, two huge interceptions in the West Virginia game. Um, And, you know, people are like, where's the pass rush? Well, Orlando's playing more uh, safety help for his corners, and and guess what? The corners are making plays – and, and Deshaun Jameson, I mean, he could make a play in special teams. Uh, he's certainly capable of that. We've seen it. And and on defense, I mean, to me, you know, someone's asking me right now in our all-staff chat, uh, who are the starting corners when everyone's healthy? And I'm sitting there saying, how can you not play Deshaun Jameson and Jalen Green? I mean, they've just made the most plays. And so Deshaun Jameson, number five, in that secondary for Texas, is my surprise player.
3: Um, how about you, Bobby, on the OU side? You've already mentioned him, so I was kind of snickering when you said it, but it's Ramondre Stevenson, the OU running back. Uh yeah. 11 ger- yards a carry. Yeah, he rushed. He uh, had a 61-yard touchdown run last week, uh, but the thing about Ramondre that makes him different, I think he's a better red zone runner, more akin to Kennedy Brooks than, than Trey Sermon. And I think that that's going to be what's interesting in how he's deployed against Texas. He can make the first tackler miss either with his speed, with a forearm to the, or a knee to the, to the gut, or he can make a miss. And so I'm telling you, that guy around the goal line, could be a real surprise for Texas because they, you know, think about it. Texas knows what Trey Sermon is. It was his third Red River game. Texas played against him three times. Right. That's that's not gonna that's not going to, you know, surprise anybody. But Ramondre Stevenson is a JUCO running back that Texas actually offered in December to try to get him on campus and, and get him a scholarship. But he uh, decided to go to OU and, and uh, committed there. I think he could be a, a real surprise player in Kind of bolster the uh, OU. Yeah, that's a
1: good call, Bobby. Because I mean, I, I went back and was looking at, at how they use him, and and I mean, my gosh, they they found a way to get four of these. Well, if you include Jalen Hurts as a runner, their top four rushers are all averaging between seven point seven and eleven yards per carry. I mean, it, there's no <laughs> there's no weak link in the people they're handing the ball to. So. It's um, it's impressive, and and I say all that. And Tom Herman, I think, is he and Sam Ellinger uh, have shown that they can figure it out too. So um, I expect this game to be a lot like last year's game. How about you?
3: Yeah, I do. I I think that it'll be a seesaw match. I wouldn't be surprised if OU goes up early because I think Texas is going to have to adapt to a run-heavy front by by uh, OU. I think any OU doing anything other than committing six or seven people to the box on first and second down, I'd just be really, really surprised by anything but that. Um, especially if they, especially if Texas crosses the 50, I, I'm just with how bad Texas beat them up front last year in both contests, really more so in the first one. I just don't see how, the new defense coordinator for OU doesn't come in and say, okay, screw it. They got to beat us by doing something other than running the quarterback down our gut. And, uh, I, you know, we'll, we'll see how Texas reacts to that and how quickly Tom Herman and and Sam Ellinger are, are capable of reacting to it because this is going to be a, I I do think it's going to be a high scoring affair. I don't think it's going to be both teams in the forties this year. I, I would, I would, uh, second guess that because I think OU is going to run the ball more and I think Texas is going to try to run the ball more or as much. Um, But uh, I think it's, it's definitely a, a one possession game in my opinion.
1: There he is. Ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Burton on the flagship podcast. Awesome stuff, Bobby. We will do it again next week. Great stuff from you, Chip. Take care, man. Okay. All right. Great stuff there with Bobby Burton. Love that. And we'll talk to Bobby, uh, of course, throughout the rest of the football season. Um, And so, listen, special guest coming up next, Charles Thompson, former Oklahoma quarterback and father of Texas backup quarterback Casey Thompson. Are you kidding me?
0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and
3: affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: All right. Joining us now right here on the flagship is the one and only Charles Thompson. I mean, talk about, uh, did you ever in your wildest dreams, Charles Thompson, former OU quarterback, think that you would have a son who is the the backup quarterback at the University of Texas, adding a whole new layer of Red River Shootoutness
0: to your life. Um, you know, Chip, no, I, I honestly I never thought. I don't guess even as a youngster growing up, I was happy to even looking back at some of the old footage of me playing uh, in this rival. Uh, late last night, early this morning, you, whichever one you want to call it, as I woke up kind of just thinking about the whole dynamics of what this week means to just both sides. I mean, it's a very big deal being that I now get a glimpse of it from, the, from a UT standpoint and have it for years with my friendship with Peter Gardeer. But but knowing what I've grown up with in my life, you know, here on the Oklahoma side, uh, I, I just envision, you know, all that. And, and just to imagine, I, I woke up thinking, you know, it's a little bit tolerable. Someone asked me the question the other day, uh, what would I really do you know, if I had to go into this week, knowing, I mean, right now there's an assumption that if something goes bad or something happens to Sam, the starting quarterback, my son Casey could enter the game. Imagine the day someone said, when you automatically know he's going to start in this particular uh, Red Re- River rivalry. And I don't know, Chip, if I ever really thought that, that I would even envision or even could think of that, um, you know, when I grew, grew up and, in, 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 of course, playing for the University of Oklahoma, you know, I had this hatred for, for the Longhorns and it was you know, it was it was something that was sort of a false hatred because you know obviously here everyone in Oklahoma don't literally hate the the, the Longhorns, but it's just built up as such a rivalry that you, you want to beat them so bad that it just turns to such such a driven uh, dislike for them, if I if I should say so. No, I got to be honest with you, I never thought I would envision that, and it's a little tough now being that I've got a half root for the Longhorns and I go into this rivalry kind of. I wouldn't say um probably I would say differently than I ever have uh the previous uh, years of my life.
1: Uh talking to Charles Thompson of course his son Casey Thompson is the backup quarterback uh for Texas and Charles um you know electric as the quarterback at the University of Oklahoma um, and Charles, I've always wanted to ask you, you wrote, you've, you've always been an open book about everything that's gone on in your life. And you're an incredible mentor to young people uh, there um, in Oklahoma city. Um, and you wrote a book, I guess it came out in 90 called down and dirty, the life and crimes of Oklahoma football. And you know you can still go on Amazon and buy it. Looking back how do you view that book now? Was it was it something? Hey, I'm glad I did it. Is it how how do you view it?
0: Well, honestly, um, if I had to do it over again, we you know it's funny. I institute you would ask that question. I, I I was asked the same thing uh, just not too long ago, maybe a little over a month ago, and someone asked me would I write it differently. And the answer probably would be yes. Um, you know, it was funny and ironic that. Uh, the uh, the publishing agent house that chose the 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 ghostwriter, and you know I, I don't know if you're familiar with how books are written, but you know I mean obviously I didn't actually sit down and write the book. I basically went through just tape sessions and had what we what they call a ghostwriter who was selected by the literary agency. And at the time, our first original uh, individual that we approached and, and was really interested in being the ghostwriter was Rick T. Lander. He was one of the at the time the, one of the most popular sports illustrated writers and uh, I think he was involved with I believe writing the Mike Tyson book as well and, and and so we had chosen him. He he kinda because his plate was full had opted not to take a part of the project uh there, there at the last minute and then we ended up picking the guy who was ironic as it may seem um was a uh, had been a former writer for a, a Penthouse magazine. So a little bit, not not as I mean that the, there were some wet languages and some some storylines that was used that I probably would have wanted to be, be explained or, or 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 written out differently. So if I had to do it all over again, Chip, I would probably certainly write the book, but it would be written in a in a totally different slant than the way it was it was written in, in that, at that time.
1: Well, and you followed Jamel Holloway, who helped win a national championship in in nineteen eighty five. And, and Barry Switzer, I mean, the stories about Barry Switzer, they're they never-ending. Do you have a favorite Switzer story? I mean, I'm watching the 150 years of college football and seeing how he called a gas station in Hooks, Texas, where Billy Sims was pumping gas at halftime of OU's game against Colorado. He's on a payphone talking to Billy Sims saying, hey, Billy, I'm over here. Colorado it's halftime I just want you to know I'm thinking about you and you know would love for you to be a Sooner I mean the guy
0: is unbelievable Chip I I really can't even tell you I I had him on my show just a couple days ago and he told that story uh of, of about how that went down and you know he just was like well heck yeah I called him he was just like in a, in a switch way, like yeah shoot ya, I called he was the best back in in the state of Texas the best back in the nation and heck we were winning. The game, 28-3, to and I walked in the locker room and told my guys, hey, uh, defense, do your job. Offense, keep doing what you're doing. I need to go make a phone call. He said that if not for the referee tapping him on the shoulder, telling him, hey, you guys got five minutes to be out on the field, he goes, I probably would have still been talking to Billy. But, I mean, there's just so many unbelievable stories in regards to this man. I mean, I just can't put the words. You know, he's impacted Chip uh, a lot of people for a lot of years. And one of the things that he told me when he recruited me in Lawton uh, he said, listen, son, I recruit you for life. When you come play for me, it's not just the four years that you're here at this university. And I actually posted a picture uh, just uh, just a couple of days ago of, of Barry. In, in 2018, uh, uh, he's attending the game with me and my family, uh, watching my son Casey who was participating in his senior year at Newcastle and his younger brother, Cade. And, you know, that's uh, what, 30, 40 years later that he's able to still connect it to the people that he coached you know, my, my biggest switcher story was just how he recruited me. He, he shows up, Chip, in my high school uh, at the middle of time, which is obviously, as you guys know, in high school, the business time that all the students are walking the hallway. And I don't really know that he timed it out that way. But I'm down in the gymnasium at my coach's office, waiting for him to come in through the back door of the gym and like most other coaches. And I hear all this extraordinary madness coming out of the hallway. And sure enough, I look down the hallway. It's Coach Switzer being led – uh, and, and by a bunch of kids, kind of as, as the pie piper coming through the the whole uh, the whole hallway. But he had pulled up at the front of the school in a white limousine, uh, wearing a fur coat, walks all the way through my school, asking all, all the students, "Hey, where's that Charles Thompson? at you go tell him he needs to become a sooner." And this. So by the time all the kids, by the time he makes it to the coach's office, I've had about twenty kids say, "Man, you need to you need to choose OU. You need to choose OU." And he walks in the room. And sits down, and basically all he says, he's got all these rings on his finger on both hands. And he says, Charlie, where are you going to go you can play for these year in, year out? Come be a suitor, baby. That's all he <laughs> said to me. I mean, so, I mean, that's just the kind of guy he was, Chip. He was just, I mean, he was just as authentic as you can be, and he's still authentic to this day. And, I mean, I, I mean I, like I said, you could probably ask every player, 99.9% of the players who play for, him, if, if Switzer said, hey, guys, I need you one more game, I need you one more weekend, even though we're over over the hill and out of a shape, I'm sure that every one of us would break our legs trying to get out there and, and win, win one more for him. I love it. I love it. Yeah,
1: Todd Dodge was telling a story uh, on our show this week about how in the 84 game, he got hit out of bounds. It was wet. He slid, like, under the bench. He looks up, and there's under the OU, under the OU bench, and, and, and there's Switzer helping him up. With with one hand and and then he's got a uh, a cigarette in the other. <laughs> and he says, hey, uh, hey, TD, you're not looking too good. And, <laughs> and Dodge said, uh, I've been better, coach. <laughs> but he could not believe that Switzer was smoking a heater right in the middle
0: of the game. Oh, man, I, Chip, I, listen, man, I mean, he's just one of a kind. You know, he he talks about uh, the year that he – uh, you remember the year? I think it was 84. That game, he was on the show talking about that game. Obviously, that game's certainly left a bitter taste in a lot of Suna fans' mouth with the so-called non-interception that people here in Oklahoma still believe it was an interception nonetheless. But he sure. talks about that game, how he was wearing the beat Texas hat. And he said, I really had no clue what hat I had on, but he said it was raining. And the the the, uh, the athletic managers get, brought him his rain gear and brought him. He said, Hell, I, "I need I need a dang hat. I need a dang hat." He goes, he didn't realize they put a Pete Texas hat on his head. <laughs> he's, he's, he's on the sideline. He couldn't figure out. He goes, it took him the next day. He figured out that uh, he figured out that he, they gave him a beat Texas hat on. And he had it on the sideline. He goes, that that day it wasn't it wasn't our day. But he just I man, he's got so many unbelievable stories. He was on Chip, and uh, he could just. I mean. You could just let him go. You could kind of push, push, play, and record, and just let this man talk. And I promise you, he will cultivate and captivate your ears with story after story after story of. And and it's really how he tells the story with his memory and his his context and his little switcher switcher like words. It's just, I mean, it's it's the best. And uh, I mean, you know, playing for him for me was a great experience. And you know, he talked about you know, you know, Chip. You know, something I didn't know. And you might find this interesting. So he always talks about, everyone always talks about, as you know, going down the ramp in the Red River uh, showdown in October and being half uh, north and south. But he said, Twitter said to him, he always felt like it was a home game. And I asked him, why is that, Coach? I've been down the ramp with you. And he goes, you see that half now? He goes, because Charlie, you never thought about it. Oh, you gets to the north side, and that's the entry that everybody enters the tunnel. So when you enter the stadium – you got nothing but OU fans that you greet, and you never really run down there to the other side. So it always felt like from a noise standpoint when the Sooners came down the ramp that it was an Oklahoma home game. And I thought, God, I never paid attention to that. And and so, you know, you know that Oklahoma has a north side and Texas right. south side. So when the right. team's coming down the, the ramp, it's, it's a pro OU audience that they're coming down to first.
1: Wow. That is uh, – and that tunnel has a life of its own. I mean, you probably saw well, fights – in that tunnel, well, it,
0: that- it, it it it's changed, Chip. You know, I don't know when they changed it. You might do research on this, but you know, we used to come down together, and uh, you know, there was a time when we were out, out of the locker room. I remember as a, as a redshirt freshman, my first game there, and and you know, you don't under you don't get the chills until you actually go out and you start to look across and you realize you're right across. The, I mean, just really walking distance of the Texas Longhorn uh, as their their teams get ready to go out as well. And I mean, it's just it's a great rivalry, man. I love it. I, I love what it means to. to just anyone who's played, any fan that around in any, either state, it's just a great week of just remembering all the great memories and some of the bads that have happened this year of, of, of this rivalry in existence. Do you have a most hated Longhorn? No, I really don't. I, I mean, it's funny you say that. I, I, I really don't have a hated Longhorn. There's no one that I really – and it's funny. I always say hate, and hate's such a strong word. I mean, there was a time that I didn't like Peter Gardier, I'll be honest with you. I mean, he went four <laughs> and over into my Sooners, and, heck, then one day I meet the guy, and, and, and uh, you know, we end up becoming the best of friends. I've been been connected since uh, 1992, 93. So, no, I can't really say that I have a hated Longhorn. I mean, I just – for me, it was just all about the orange. And, I, I you know, Chip, it's funny. I grew up in Lawton, Oklahoma, and we had an elementary school that was kind of the – they had the most of everything, the best of everything, around they, they were out in the suburbs. And they were called the Crosby Park Longhorns, and they had the exact same emblem and uniform as the Texas Longhorns. So my my hatred for that uniform began when I was in the third and fourth grade, because you know there for a while my elementary team we couldn't beat them. Oh wow! <laughs> you know, I didn't start I didn't start beating them till I was in the fifth or sixth grade, but it was and I was always envious of them because we were a team that 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 school that had lack. We we didn't have the full uniform at times, and we had to you know kind of piece stuff together, and we only had a certain amount of people. You know, on the team and I had to be the punter, the quarterback, the running back, the kickoff guy, <laughs> you name it. And here I was playing this Crosby Park Longhorns team and they had a special team. They had a, a group of kids over there that could be on the on the kickoff team. And it was just I used to be jealous of, of them because of how how deep they were and how good they were. And then, like I said, it was for me and Lawton, it was a big deal. When we finally got to the point where we were beating the Crosby Park Longhorns.
1: Well, we're, we're going to get to Saturday's game here in a second, but give us an update on Casey because a lot of people know he was in the transfer portal uh, during the offseason, and then he decided to stay. And now he's the backup quarterback one play away. How's he doing? What was that process like for you?
0: Well, listen, I mean, it was, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a little bit old school, as you, as you probably know, you, many times that we've conversated. Uh, you know, back when I played, I mean, heck, I, I came to the University of Oklahoma and, uh, you know, I was four string. They were 3D. They just won a national championship with Jamel Holloway and held their number two guy, Eric Mitchell, was supposed to be better than him. He came in rated higher than Jamel. And, you know, here I had those two guys facing in front of me. And, and many people told me I was making a mistake by choosing to go be a part of that program and I wouldn't play there to maybe if I was lucky, a junior or senior. But I believed in my talents. And so transferring, you know, was not a part of the way that I thought. And so, uh, you know, I, I realize obviously things have changed, and, and and certainly it was tough for me uh, as a dad who's more of the old school. That uh, I always feel like you 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 stick it out and you you grit and you you prove that you deserve the opportunity, and then if you work hard enough and things go your way, th- something may open up. So it was a tough period. Obviously, Casey, you know, he believes in himself. He's a very talented and you know very confident quarterback who thinks that he has the skill set to be on the field plane and. You, know, you never really want to take that away from anyone. Uh, I've never known anyone who wants to accept uh, any of the good ones, should I say, that want to accept not playing and being on the sidelines watching. And so, uh, you got to admire the 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 tenacity that he has. He's worked his butt off. He's decided to stay there, and you know, ultimately he finds himself in the number two spot. But Chip, you know, I sent him a video this morning, and it was funny. I was watching an old video that someone had posted of me, and it 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 talked about me in my first game, and, and it actually interviewed me after the game. I was just, it was funny. The, the guy was wanting to talk about. I, st- I think I scored three touchdowns and threw one in my first uh, play game action in, in Texas, I mean, Oklahoma. And all I could talk about was the year before how I had sat on the bench watching the whole time and how it was frustrating and blah, blah, this, that. And so I kind of sent that message to Casey and said, man, no matter who you are, uh, everyone gets frustrated and not playing. And, and, and so. Uh, you know, it's frustrating. Whether you're number two or not, uh, it, it's it's nothing like being the number one guy, Chip. And, uh, you know, i said he's got to continue to work hard and be patient. Uh, you know, my my opportunity came to Oklahoma through an injury. And and it's funny, on that same video, it showed me talking about get, getting my opportunity to start. And I even said I didn't want to get my chance this way. But I worked hard my entire life and career and put myself in a position. I'm going to try to do the best and take advantage and represent Uh, the University of Oklahoma starting quarterback as best I can. And that's, you know, obviously uh, you never know what will happen. It happened in a blink of an eye. I was sitting there watching Jamel go down on just a simple cut. I'd seen him do a thousand times and, you know, just like blink and bam. And so I tell Casey, you got to stay mentally focused, mentally locked in because it could happen in a blink. You never know when that window of opportunity comes. And sometimes it unfortunately happens through injuries or any other different kind of circumstances, but you got to stay mentally strong and stay ready. So hopefully – He's locked in, Chip. Uh, he's doing really good. He's had, you know, obviously a great spring and he's had a great camp and great summer. Um, I, I really feel like the coaches from my communications uh, through time with him uh, have, have expressed extreme confidence of his abilities. If if something was to happen to Sam and he was to go down, uh, they feel like they got a guy who can step in and, and continue them in the direction they want to go. Yeah, I, th- I think these coaches are
1: excited about Casey and feel like he's going to be uh, an exceptional talent when he gets his, his opportunity on the field um talking to charles thompson uh, of course former ou quarterback and you wore number six um any significance to that
0: well you know i came out of high school and i wore. i wanted to wear number one at, at, at oklahoma and of course being the fourth string quarterback uh <laughs> you don't get to make any demands the first the second string quarterback <laughs> had number one and so switching those guys kind of looked at me and said well it looks like you have to pick another number so I uh, wasn't able to get number one because Eric Mitchell, who was the second-string quarterback, had it at that time. And I, I, Danny Bradley was a good fan, a fan of mine, and obviously even currently a good, still a good friend. He wore number one as well. I decided that I would go all the way back. My first quarterback that I fell in love with at the University of Oklahoma was Thomas Lott. He wore the bandana, and I wore number six. And so I, that's when I opted to pick number six. And my saying, always, always says Chip, when I wore number six, the theme of the day. Is number six four six. That was really my motivation and confidence that I would talk to myself, say, "I, I want to see six four six uh, all day long." And so, you know, six became a a charitable number for me. And uh, you know, obviously, you, you make it doesn't matter the number you you wear. It's just about what the the memories and the and the things you do while you're wearing the number
1: six for six, six baby. Um, all right, Charles, let's uh, let's get to it. How do you see this this game Saturday playing out?
0: Listen, the beginning of the year, I was, I mean, I, you know, I, I've kind of gone back and forth, Chip. I, I got to say, I mean, obviously, I, I think Texas is offensively uh, with Sam. Sam has done uh, an unbelievable job of, of really developing and really honing in on what he's got to do in the in the terms of this offense. I think he's done an outstanding job of of just knowing where to go with the ball, when to go with it, protecting the football. I do think that Herman and all that co offensive side of the ball, they figured out really how to utilize his strengths um, uh, what really works for him and and uh and uh i think the offensively they've got the ability and have shown throughout the weeks that they can score and do some things so i see offensively texas still applying some pressure on on, on oklahoma this weekend um I, I i always thought beginning of the year that defensively texas would be a little bit stronger uh from a secondary standpoint fortunately through some of the injuries I, I i've sort of backed off that a little bit and so i think that's where the tell of the game will be determined. I think Texas, can their younger guys, their backup guys, make enough plays? I do think Oklahoma's going to put a tremendous amount of pressure on that back end throughout the entire four quarters uh, that uh, if they can hand up, they'll have a shot to win. I, I think that's going to be the, the turning point of the game. I think Texas, if they can run the ball on the Oklahoma defense, which I, I, I suspect they should be able to, um, I think it's going to be a very, very good game. I think Texas is battle-tested, probably more so than Oklahoma Uh, I think it's going to be a tough, tough ball game that's going to be determined, in my opinion, uh, midway or late uh, part of the fourth quarter. Uh, I do, however, see Oklahoma slightly perhaps a little bit having a better edge. Uh, And with Jalen Hurts, I think that he uh, is a guy that's been in a a good environment. And I'll be honest with you, I think the difference is I think the Oklahoma um, uh, secondary uh, is, although not not certainly by any means a great secondary, they do have some guys, they have some veteran guys, and I I think that they – Make a play here or there, and uh, I see them edging out the um, a tight victory.
1: Yeah, last year, um, Texas won the turnover battle, and that uh, has been a huge indicator for Tom Herman. I think 13 and two uh, at Texas when he's his teams have won the turnover battle. Uh, Kyler Murray threw an interception, fumbled it. We'll see, you know, which of these quarterbacks because they've both been very, very good at protecting the football um
0: we'll yeah no doubt ones. no d- doubt chip but i think the thing is i mean listen I, and i and i say that almost if you ask me tomorrow heck i might say something different it's just one of these types of games these matchups that i really see could go either way and i i i really feel like um if, if turnovers are factor on either way I, I i could see it i could see i could easily see texas winning the ballgame you know last year to be honest with you the first matchup i thought oklahoma was clearly the better team, and. uh Obviously, we saw what happened in that matchup. So it's always a game that you never really know. Anything can happen. You know, A lot of times, the best team doesn't always win. It's about the team that goes out there and takes care of the business. One thing I, I will give the edge to Texas, in my opinion, although it may have changed a little bit under this new Grinch's uh, mindset, but I think as a whole, I think Texas is a little bit more physical. And if they can do what they did last year, uh, um, exert their physical proudness uh, in this game early on, Keep themselves in third and short, which what they did last year. Uh, I, I think th- I think that they will have an opportunity to to kind of do what they did and duplicate win again in October, uh, like they did last last season.
1: Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. And Tom Herman as an underdog is he's been fierce, and I think he loves the fact that they're ten and a half point dogs. And um, I think he's eight and two against the spread as an underdog, and five times he's won outright. Uh, so we'll see. Charles, you are the man, Um, really appreciate the conversation uh, that it makes for a special Red River Shootout week. And uh, man, we look forward to the next conversation. All right, Chip, enjoy it as always, man. All right, Charles Thompson, uh, right here on the flagship podcast. All right, Taylor, I mean, my goodness, there it is. The first episode of the flagship podcast, Bobby Burton, Charles Thompson, you, me, um, I mean, here we go.
2: Here we go. And by the way, what a great story about Barry Switzer's recruitment of Charles Thompson. I mean, that is just so money. I'm so glad that he told that one.
1: Oh my gosh. I learned a lot today. Yes. Uh, which I love. That makes... I mean, I've been doing this a long time as we as we said, I covered the pterodactyl bowl. <laughs> so anytime I can learn something new. Um, from Charles Thompson about Barry Switzer the Red River Shootout you name it the fact that Barry Switzer was wearing a Texas hat in the 84 game now I gotta go look at film and see it you know
2: beat Texas that's uh, hilarious it's so hilarious <laughs> oh my gosh
1: uh, unbelievable alright hey everybody thanks for listening to the premiere edition of the flagship podcast thanks to Taylor Estes for making it happen and to Bobby Burton and to Charles Thompson we'll talk to you
0: next week